Welcome to Angry Americans. Welcome to Episode 5. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. This is a show about the state of the great American experiment. Together, we're redefining patriotism in America. It's bigger than two political parties. It's bigger than our politicians. It's bigger than our cable news and our social media. It's bigger than AOC versus Trump. It's bigger than MSNBC versus Fox. It's bigger than the Yankees versus the Red Sox. It's bigger than our differences. And it's a hell of a ride. In the months to come, we're going to take this ride all across America. I'll be in the streets, talking to people nationwide, talking to you. And we'll create events and activations to unite you and fellow angry Americans all across this country. Because if you're not at least a little angry, you're not paying attention. And on this ride, and in this episode, and on every show, I'm going to continue to bring you four things. Integrity, information, impact, and inspiration. And this week, I've really got that for you. I've got an issue that's got me angry and should have everyone angry. And at the end of the show, I've got a critically important action. One that's truly a matter of life and death for one of our fellow Americans. And I've got a gift. A gift I'm really humbled and thankful to share with you. Every guest I have on this show will be an iconic, important, inspiring American. Someone who shaped our country and will shape its future. Our first four guests have all done that. Willie Geist, Rob Sarah, Ron Perlman, Peter Berg. They all shared, taught, challenged, and inspired. And on this show, we keep it real. You're going to hear a side of people that you haven't heard before. Maybe you didn't know about. A side that I hope also leaves you inspired. And with this show, I also want to surprise you with information, with ideas, with intersections. Intersections you might not see or expect. The Great American Experiment lives and thrives on intersections. The sometimes unexpected intersections. Intersections between entertainment and sports, culture and media, love and war, celebrity and politics. Especially celebrity and politics. And especially right now. In Donald Trump, we have a celebrity who became president. He followed Barack Obama, the president who became a celebrity. But this is not new in America, right? George Washington was a celebrity in his own time. Teddy Roosevelt was a celebrity, a folk hero. He was larger than life. JFK was a war hero, and he was a dashing leading man with a family straight out of central casting. And for all the recent right-wing bashing of Hollywood, remember, it was Ronald Reagan, a Republican, who was a professional actor before he became governor of California and later president of the United States. America's obsessed with celebrity. Maybe we always have been. And it can also be like a superpower. Celebrity can be used for good, or it can be used for evil, like the Avengers. If you're NFL superstar J.J. Watt, you can use celebrity to raise tens of millions of dollars for hurricane relief in Texas. If you're Oprah, you can use it to bring focus on issues and communities without a voice. If you're Ted Nugent, you can use it to perpetuate hate and threaten to kill President Obama. If you're Sean Hannity, you can use it to scare old white people about a dark, monstrous, fictional threat coming from across the Mexican border, coming to burn your flag, steal your job, which you don't have anymore, and eat your children. If you're Clint Eastwood, you can use it to talk to an empty chair. 
But if you use celebrity, it can also get you elected from either party or no party. Shirley Temple ran for Congress in 1967. You may not know she also served as ambassador to Ghana and U.S. ambassador to Czechoslovakia. Sonny Bono became mayor of Palm Springs and got elected to Congress. Bill Bradley, the basketball player, went from the NBA to the Senate. Seattle Seahawks Hall of Fame football player Steve Largent did four terms in Congress. Wrestler Jesse the Body Ventura became governor of Minnesota. Arnold Schwarzenegger was governor of California. Al Franken went from Saturday Night Live to the Senate. After she starred in Clueless, Stacey Dash ran for Congress in California. That didn't go well. Clay Aiken starred on American Idol and later ran for Congress too. And Cynthia Nixon, one star of Sex and the City, recently ran for governor of New York. And more on that later in the show. But it's not just America, it's worldwide. Remember when Wyclef John ran for president of Haiti? Champion boxer Manny Pacquiao rode his celebrity all the way to the legislature in the Philippines. And heavyweight boxer, the champion, Vitaly Klitschko, was the face of the Ukrainian uprising, the Orange Revolution, with his twin brother Vladimir by his side. Now he's the mayor of Kiev. Celebrity is power, like it or not. And if used effectively, it can take you all the way to the White House. That's what happened with Donald Trump. And if used effectively in 2020, it might keep him there. Celebrity is a superpower. And today's guest is someone who uses it for good. A lot of good. And she'll use it for even more good in the years ahead. And if she wanted to, she could take it pretty far too. Today's guest is an American original. A true American treasure. Today's guest is Sarah Jessica Parker. Probably not a person you were expecting to be on this show. Sarah Jessica Parker. You think you know her from Sex and the City, from TV, from the movies, maybe a bit from her business or her political activism. She's definitely a force and a true American success story. But you've probably never heard her like this. And I've been lucky enough to know SJ for a while now. And she allowed me and the show and you into her home for an extended, candid, very, very real conversation. We sat in the floor of her living room and we broke it down for over an hour. This is Sarah Jessica Parker talking directly to you, talking directly to America in an open, raw, charming, inspiring, and inspired way. If you've never heard her beyond the characters she plays, I think you're going to be impressed. And if you're already a fan, you're going to love where she takes us. It's in-depth, it's personal, and it's real. It's the kind of interview you can only really have on a podcast. It's exactly why I wanted to do this show first as a podcast. There are no commercials, no edits, just me, you, and Sarah Jessica Parker. So sit back and enjoy. Maybe go for a drive. Maybe go for a long walk with your headphones on. Maybe listen to it on your lunch break in your car. Maybe sit back on your couch over the weekend or on your porch. Ask your mom to come over and give it a listen. Maybe crack open a bottle of wine, pour yourself a drink, because you're going to want to savor this one. It's a true American icon, open, uncensored, and unapologetic. Like many of us, she's concerned about the state of affairs in our country, but she also believes in America, and she believes in you, and you're not going to want to miss this. Welcome to Angry Americans. Episode 
Okay. Here's what I'm angry about right now. This is an issue that has me angry. And after I tested it on social media this week, apparently it has many other people really angry. Scooters. Yep, scooters. Electric scooters. If you know what I'm talking about, your blood pressure just went up. I know it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, this is a new public transportation wave sweeping the nation. But it's gone way off the electric tracks. Scooters in America are out of control. This is bike sharing's dangerous mutant offspring. If bike shares were Gizmo and the Mogwai, these scooters are Stripe and the other nasty gremlins. They're stealing cop cars. They're killing Mr. Hansen, the science teacher. They're tying your dog up in Christmas lights. They're destroying the Montgomery Ward department store. They're destroying everything. And if we don't stop them, they'll destroy Christmas and kill us all. If Zipcar was legalized weed for the masses, these scooters are like the blue sky meth that Jesse Pinkman and Walter White cooked up for Tuco Salamanga. Electric scooters have gone from a well-intentioned idea to the measles of public transportation. Or maybe like bird flu or Ebola, because right now it's also spreading worldwide. And if you're in a city infected by these two-wheeled devils, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're not, soon you will know. They're coming. Scooter winter is coming. And sooner or later, you're going to travel to one of these cities in America that have recently created an electric scooter program, or they will come to you because they're coming. In September 2017, the scooter program started in one city, Los Angeles. That's where the Bird program started. That's the name of the company behind these things. Four months later, it was in four cities. Oakland, San Francisco, San Diego were added. By September 2018, they were in 57 cities. Crack didn't spread across America this fast. Now, scooters are in 10 countries in more than 125 U.S. cities. It's like watching the zombie apocalypse sweep across the globe in World War Z. There are 14,000 dockless electric scooters on the streets of Austin, Texas. 14,000 in Texas, in Austin. Soon, there are going to be more scooters per capita in Austin than tattoos or taco trucks. They're everywhere. Atlanta, Nashville, Indianapolis, Cleveland, Denver, Seattle, Boston, Raleigh, Detroit. I feel like I'm listing the cities that are falling to the Russians in Red Dawn. Now, the scooters are dockless, meaning they don't have a home base or a parking lot. So riders just rent them with a smartphone app and park them almost anywhere. Now, transit advocates have hailed how easy the scooters are to use. And they praise them for decreasing road congestion by, by providing an alternative to cars and taxis for short trips. Yeah, that may be true. But helmets are not required. Neither is a sobriety test nor any sense of balance or physical dexterity or common sense. Look, these things were the stuff of my dreams when I was 12 or 13 years old. If I wasn't old enough to drive, I'd be all about them. I'd be begging for them, like when I used to beg my mom for a go-kart. But as a grown-ass man, every time I see one, I want to break it in half and launch it in the river. Now look, this is America, so you know somebody's making money off of this misery. Yep, bird and lime. The two largest operators have both recently reached $1 billion valuations within just a year of launching their companies, Bird and Lime. That's what they're called. Two of the four horsemen of the apocalypse will be called Bird and Lime, right alongside Google and Facebook. 
Now, critics have rightfully complained of riders speeding through sidewalks or parking scooters everywhere, cluttering cities. Hospitals have seen a huge rise in scooter-related injuries, and serious injuries, busted teeth, skull fractures, all kinds of stuff. And at least two people have actually died. These things go 15 miles an hour. That's not slow. Yeah, now I know some make the argument that it's better for the environment because it means less car rides. But is it really going to be better for Mother Earth when millions of these things are broken and obsolete, laying in mountains of landfills next to other mountains of like old Blackberries and Sega video game systems? They're everywhere. They're like the damn White Walkers in the last episode of Game of Thrones. I saw them recently when I was in Austin, Texas, and last week when I was in Washington, D.C., and they look like shit. Literally like shit. They're littered everywhere. Like when dogs take a shit. People just drop them and walk off. It's like navigating Paris or some other European city that doesn't have proper pooper scooper laws. It's dangerous. It's annoying. It's uncivilized. Now look, I know to some I may sound like an old man telling the kids to turn down the rock and roll or get off my lawn. But I'm not that guy. I love skateboarding. I love counterculture. I love graffiti. But this is the opposite of all that. This is the opposite of skateboarding. There's no creativity here. You can't even really do tricks on these damn things. And it's not better than walking. It's not. It's like walking for really lazy people. And what the hell do you do in the cities where you have these annoying things when when this thing called winter comes? Do they just hibernate and become Wi-Fi stations? Or maybe they network themselves into listening devices for the NSA. Whatever happens in the winter, it's bad. Not to mention, these are obviously not an option for disabled people. Even worse for disabled people, these damn scooters have actually created a world of sidewalks filled with two-wheeled landmines. Disabled people are only now just getting ramps and sidewalks that work, and and only recently has Uber given them an option, and now these damn things are everywhere? Imagine being in a wheelchair in one of these cities with scooters. Imagine being blind in one of these cities with American scooters. Now, shit, it's hard enough being blind in America. You don't need to worry about these damn things, too. And... Just imagine the day when all the presidential candidates feel like they need to show they're down with scooters and they start riding around in these things. I really don't want to see that. You really don't want to see that. I'd be really worried about Joe Biden on one of these things. And we definitely don't want to see Trump on one of these things. Or maybe some of you do. Either way, it will end badly. Very badly. For the candidates and for America. Putin must love these things. Maybe they're another part of his Russian plot to destroy our democracy. They must be, because they're not something our founding fathers planned for or the Supreme Court can handle. Not even the notorious RBG wants to mess with these things. So what the hell do we do? I really have no freaking idea. I don't. There's no night king of electric scooters for Arya to swoop in and kill with a dragon glass dagger, so we can't just kill him. Maybe we can create a design where you can connect five or six of them together like Voltron and create a public bathroom. Because if you've listened to this show before, you know how I feel about public bathrooms and and that problem. But really, what the hell are we going to do? Trump is definitely not going to figure out a solution to this one. He can't even figure out how to say Nazis are bad. And I definitely don't want to hear what he has to say on the stump about these things. So what's the solution? Well, I think it starts with stopping people from being able to dump them everywhere. Some places have banned them outright, like smoking and plastic bags and bump stocks. Liberty and freedom are great. It's what America is all about. But this is not freedom. This is public transportation anarchy. And someone wise once said, the Statue of Liberty on the East Coast should always be complemented by a Statue of Responsibility on the West Coast. 
So we need some damn rules. And I'm all for it. If we can stop freshmen from declaring for the NBA, we can stop these damn scooters. Or we can just do what they did in Gremlins. Remember that? Get them all in one place. Just like Gremlins in the movie theater watching Snow White. Get them in there. Get them all in there. And light them up. Burn them all down. Turn them into scrap for Elon Musk's rocket shit to Mars. Sacrifice them to the corporate gods of greed and lazy tourists and head injuries. Burn, baby, burn. That's what we could do. I don't know. (sighs) Yep, look, I'm not a fan of these scooters. And they're not even in my city yet. If they come here one day, I'm going to be sharing a cell next to Michael Avenatti and Alec Baldwin, Colin McGregor, and Kellyanne Conway. Yeah, scooters, I'm not a fan. This is an issue that's got me angry, and I think should have everybody angry. Because if you're not angry, you're not paying attention. And electric scooters in America? There's plenty of good reason to be angry about that. So what do you think? I know you have an opinion about this. So go to the Angry Americans Facebook page and sound off, or use the Angry Americans hashtag. But please, do not do it while you're riding around on one of these damn things. Alarm. The willies. The heebie-jeebies. Panic. Scooters. There are dozens of words for fear, but just one for an exceptional home security company to stop fear at your front door. Simply Safe. Simply Safe is a home security system that knows it feels good to fear less. It's an award-winning 24-7 protection that protects your home through all of it, through blizzards and blackouts and burglars. Simply Safe has won awards from all the tech experts that count. The Verge called it the best home security. It won the Reader's Choice Award from PC Magazine and is a two-time winner of the CNET Editor's Choice Award. And Wirecutter called it a top pick. And Wirecutter is really, really good. Simply Safe has no contract, no hidden fees, and no gotchas. There's always, they always keep prices fair and honest. Thanks to Simply Safe, fear has no place in a place like home. Now, try Simply Safe with free shipping and free returns. You get a 60-day risk-free trial too. Order now and you can have your home protected within a week. Go to simplysafe.com/angryamericans to get started today. That's simplysafe.com/angryamericans. Be sure to go there so they know we sent you. simplysafe.com/angryamericans. Check it out. Okay, so okay. we have an amazingly special gift of a guest <laughs> with us for this episode. We'll see how you feel afterwards. <laughs> I already feel that way, and okay. I know America will feel the same. Oh, God, uh, we'll see. For this episode of Angry Americans, we have a, a person with us that I think is a true force in America. She has shaped what America is. She is shaping what America will be. She's one of the kindest, most earnest, uh, most passionate people I've ever been around. Uh, the amazing, dynamic Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh, boy. One day I hope to grow up and be that person you just described. Um, I- I'll dispute later many of those um, 
adjective to use to describe me, but that's very, very nice of you. Thank you. But it's true. I, I wanted this show to be an examination of the great American experiment. And I want to talk to Americans who are defining what it means to be American hmm. and what the future of the country is going to be like. And you're doing that. Uh, and we'll get to more of that in a second. But I am very humbled to have known you now for maybe over a decade. Yeah. Um, yeah. We met through my amazing wife. Yeah. Who's had the pleasure of traveling the world with yeah, you. Yeah, we work together. I miss her all the time. Um, she is... Uh, once you have, and you know now far better and more intimately than I do, but you know, once you are in the, the wake of Lauren, it's just a, <laughs> your world shifts and you see things differently. And I think one of the best and probably what you saw in her so early on in your relationship was, you know, Lauren's a dreamer. Lauren never says no. If you, when I was working with her, we were always pondering ideas and even post her time with me professionally, as I've come to her for advice on looking for funding for nonprofits, she just, she never says no. Mm. She never says, I don't have time, which a lot of the times I've gone to her, she had no time. She always makes time. She always carves out time. But also she always makes it happen. She's mm. like the rainmaker. She, <laughs> you know, she makes, she's a dreamer and she believes in pursuing it. And even if it's, pie in the sky. So I see what you, well, I saw what you see in her every day. Well, and, and we love you dearly, but you've, <laughs> you've also been, you know, she likes to support other dreamers. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what many people have seen in you, but, um, we're in your home, mm -hmm. which I thank you for having us inside. And we're in this living room that is in many ways kind of a, a sacred space. Oh, I mean, especially for people like who <laughs> follow, who, who follow politics. <laughs> yeah. If you're comfortable, I sure, mean, this sure. is a room to set the, the stage for people. This is a room that, that has made history. I mean, really, <laughs> like if you think back to the, you know, the yeah. founding of this country and when people would get together in bars and homes and talk about politics and talking about changing the world, mm. I mean, you were one of the first people to have Barack Obama in your home. <laughs> And to have him standing yeah. right there. Yeah. Yeah. And you were an early supporter of him and of yes. many other leaders and causes. So to be in this setting is... Some winners, some losers. Yeah. <laughs> um, and not losers um, in terms of, you know, disposition or effort or just, you know, in terms of destination points. They didn't always yeah. cross the finish line. But yeah, yeah I mean, I've um, it's been... We feel really privileged that we've been able to... Um, be host or shelter or provide a space for people to talk about ideas or meet each other and share ideas or share conflict, you know, yeah. like, um, and I, 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 and I hope that our, I hope that I always get a chance, you know, to, to be, to be part of that or to invite people in. I think one of the, the nicest thing, I think one of the best things that's happened over the last couple of years is, um, well, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio in the 70s, and um, it wasn't, frankly, unlike the experience we're all having now. Mm. It was, you know, really feeling um, all the wonderful effects of 1968 and that year that shaped a generation. So we were, you know, I was a tiny baby, but I was in the early 70s kind of on the receiving end of all of that excitement and energy and activism. And so I grew up with people going to each other's homes yeah. around local, state, and federal elections and huge amounts of organizing. The kids were always involved. 
there wasn't a question. You didn't get a choice, really. Right, right. And you were um, working the polling places. You were out on the streets. You were canvassing. You were knocking on doors. Um, you were wearing sandwich boards and black armbands. And this time, and so we were always in each other's homes and yeah. strangers' homes and familiar homes, and you were bringing food and um, carting each other around, picking up senior citizens on election day, mm. pick, you know, getting the young adults to take a couple no-dos and work the polling <laughs> places till late at night. And so I feel like this particular period um, is feeling more like that. And I, yeah. I think especially since 2016, People are opening up their homes again. You know, we see it all the time. Yeah. And so I hope that I always get to be part of that. But I also like as much going into someone else's home and being yeah. introduced to a candidate, a cause, an issue, a local issue. It can be an issue around this block. That's happening now all the time. Yeah. So it's a long answer to a short question. But I, I hope that we're always given the opportunity to, to be part of that. I think it underscores why I was so excited to talk to you because people know you from the TVs in their living room. They know you from movies. And I think people who are close to you know how passionate you are about this country and how involved you are in, in causes, mm -hmm. you know, causes that matter. You've supported people with cancer. You've supported veterans and military families, so many political causes for human rights and equal rights. Mm -hmm. You've been really a, a, a political force in some ways. Not in helping as much as I wish. I actually... I, I don't think I do enough. I don't think I've done enough. But I, the, well, the good thing about being an American citizen is that you can always come back and yeah. and and um, and rejoin the effort. Mm. Um, there's many times that and well, you know, you don't know because you always find time. But you know, if you're working and you're on a set and your way, you don't get to, you're missing out on movements. Like mm. things are happening. So yeah. I don't think I've done enough. And but I'm. But I know that it doesn't mean that I, I feel like you can make up for yeah, lost time. But that's a testament know? to you because you've got, you, you, you know, you have the spirit where you'd rather be, you know, at a, at a march or involved in a cause than on a set. And you recognize the power <laughs> yeah. that you have with this platform that you've built for yourself. But it, it, it seems to come from that upbringing. Like people may not know that you came from a big family in Ohio mm -hmm. and that found, kind of founded who you were. Mm -hmm. So that sense of spirit and community is something that has really, I think, been part of your success. It's why people root for you. It's mm -hmm. why people feel like they're a part of your community, whether mm -hmm. it's a show or a business. That's but nice. I've been asking everybody to go back mm -hmm. in the way, way back machine. Mm -hmm. And I've been asking all my guests to help us understand, you know, the origins of who you are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and cars are kind of a part of America. <laughs> yeah. So Sarah Jessica Parker, what was your first car? Okay, so um, there, um, it's a slightly um, jumbled response, and, and that's only because, all right, so we grew up, and we, all, we only ever had used cars. We you know, didn't have any money growing up, so we were always the owner of a used car, and a used car that had at best months, <laughs> months less to offer on the road. But, you know, we were right. a family of six and ultimately eight kids. So we we destroyed cars very quickly. <laughs> and um, so, uh, and the, and the, basically the cars that we only, the only cars we ever had were Volkswagen buses and because they could fit our whole family wow. and a country squire station wagon. So wow. those were our cars growing up. Wow. And they were always used and they were always um, on the verge of breaking down. Or my father would, I have memories of my father 
you know, in the back of a Volkswagen bus with literally like, he's like, who's got a shoestring? Pull out a shoestring. I'm not kidding. And one of us would pull out a shoestring and he would be in the back, which that's where the motor was on Volkswagen buses. And with his hands making the engine work by pulling, like attached, attaching a shoestring to an engine. That's so, these are my memories of cars. Wow. Um, so my, the first, the car that I learned to drive on, if you can freaking believe it, was a Volkswagen bus. Wow. And the rule in our family was you couldn't get your license if you couldn't drive a stick shift. My parents were like, you're no good in the world if you can't drive a stick shift. <laughs> like you can't travel because in your, like, That's good you're parenting. not a driver. You're That's not, good a, parenting. You're not That's a, a good rule. woman or a man right? if you can't. Now, that didn't mean you had to take your driver's test on a stick shift. Mm-hmm. Um, but my older siblings all took their driver test on a stick mm. shift, which I think is hilarious. Um, so I learned on a Volkswagen van, but then I was in Los Angeles and I was shooting square peg and I could get my license there sooner because California had 16 year olds. You can get your permit uh. and like that. So the local police officer who was the, the police officer affiliated with our television show, there's always a police officer on a show. Okay. okay. He taught me how to drive on the lunch breaks in Norwalk, California at the, in the big parking lots of the high school where we shot. And then I took my test on someone's borrowed, um, on someone's borrowed automatic Honda. And then I purchased for my family a Honda Accord. So in amazing. So amazing. in title, that was my first car. But, but really, that was, it was really a, Volks- a car for really a family. Really, it was the Volkswagen. That's what I learned what to drive co- on. What but color then was that? The Volkswagen that I learned to drive on was a sort of, um, it was a sort of poppy scarlet red with a classic cream top you know how they have just one band of color yes. but we had blue i knew hearing you buses. describe a car would be special right <laughs> uh-huh. you you weren't going to give me just <laughs> it was red right it's it's, no, it's it going to be immaculate detail around the the, the the intricacies of the color because it wasn't the red that some of the beetles uh-huh. were right those beetles were a barn red do you remember okay, those were yeah. a deeper yeah. blue brown red but this was that brighter kind of I'm going to say a cross between vermilion and poppy, but I'm, we, people but, have to Google what those colors are. I can pull it up for you right now. But, um, we also had a, had that sort of sky blue one, not light uh-huh. blue, but yep. like, you know, it was a special blue, that blue yeah. one used. We also, I think had, um, we had a red one. We had a blue one. We had, we might've had a brown one, but then my first car that I, owned was um i think was a sob wow Do you remember sobs yeah. back in the 90s yeah, yeah that, that was, was my first car and was i kind loved of a, that's a, it kind of a period piece car it was like beautiful. that was at the time a sob was a thing it was a sob turbo and that was a cool car yeah and i yeah, really don't see too it. many sobs anymore. no but it was that's yeah. a beautiful car and yeah. it's a great car and i think it was if i remember correctly i think what made that car really special is that it was built by engineers who also made airplanes ah. and it was a Swedish car. I think the Saab. I don't know. Is it? Yeah. Maybe. I think it's a Swedish I'll, car. I'll it was a fantastic it car. I loved it. Um, and then I came back to New York and, and didn't need a card forever, you know? So right. well, it's a long car story. No, that was a really good answer. And not very, that is fascinating. those cars are you know, no, but it, 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 it really helps shape an understanding like, you know, you as a community organizer, you as a <laughs> leader bringing people together, literally packing, 
you know, eight brothers and sisters and the neighbors oh, yeah. and all these other old folks in the back yeah. of a Volkswagen oh, roll, for, rolling yeah. around Ohio. Absolutely. That's, that Volkswagen that's a took scene. many people and to pulling places and a stick shift. Yeah. And bare bones, you know, yeah. not a stick shift that was covered. You know how some of them had like a sort of tent that surrounded yeah. The, yeah. the stick to the top. No, this was just a naked, bare, exposed <laughs> And your dad's shoestring in the back keeping oh, it all together. Oh my God. Yeah. See, so this is, this, this, this makes sense now in understanding <laughs> where your kind of proletariat working yes, class yes. you know every man and woman roots come from yeah. which is which is an important through line in your life like you are now building amazing businesses you're traveling all over the country and you're going all across america yeah. right? you're, you're you're going the midwest down south this is not just a coastal thing and i wish i was actually i wish as i've watched these politicians now as this election cycle yeah. is really sort of it's it's begun. It's I think officially begun, right? As yeah. we're watching everybody, yeah. you know, on their regional whistle stops. I was right. like, wow, you know, I envy them those experiences. When Beto was running for the midterm and he was hitting every county in Texas, I thought, wow, what a gift! What a gift to mm. really understand. Like, what a gift to meet the people see why that county on the other side of that line is different than this yeah. county on this side. Why yeah. is the food different? Why is, yeah. why is a population more, you know, more Western European? Like to know, and I think, wow, it would be an amazing experience to know the country yeah. that way. And yeah. I, and, and I, I feel like every, it kind of stopped for a while. We were hitting mm. those states that we thought were the important states, right? right what right. were those states that were going right. to make or break and now I think there is this, um, I feel like we're going back in time now where we're we're going to see people travel this country. Yeah. Don't not, yeah. one place yeah. should be ignored. Yeah. Every county. Yeah. Every, you know, route something yeah. gets, gets a visit for selfish and selfless reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm not traveled like that, but I sure wish I, I sure wish I could. But you have a deep connection. Your fan base is so diverse and so committed and you've done so many different kinds of creative projects over the <laughs> years where people probably feel like they know you on some level, but to, to see the, the country through your eyes, I think is a, is a really magical thing. I was talking yesterday with um, Bob Carey, the Navy SEAL uh, Medal of Honor recipient, yeah. was governor, president. You've probably met him in political yeah. circles over the years. And I told academia him- academia for a while. Yes, he yeah. was the president of the new school. Yep. And, um, He's had know, some interesting opinions lately. He I has. Mean, he, he always has, has some, some interesting opinions. opinions. Yeah. But he, he has a very deep sense of, of, of the country and of patriotism. And I told him, you know, part of this show is about my concern for the mm -hmm. state of, of our country, the state mm -hmm. of our experiment. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm not that concerned. And one of the reasons he said he wasn't concerned is because he says, we have really great real estate. He says, America is amazing real estate. Our mountains, our forests, our oil, our rivers. Mm -hmm. I mean, we picked a pretty good place to start a country, <laughs> right? Yeah. And when you go across that country, it feels like many different countries within one. But the mm -hmm. real estate itself, mm -hmm. our national parks, all these amazing if resources. If we protect them. If we protect them, right? Right. Are, are really maybe are an underappreciated resource that we've got, especially in I times say, like this. Yeah, yeah. But it was, it was clarion for me in, in thinking about how important and how diverse you know the the big country is from hawaii yeah. all the way down to puerto rico yeah right yeah. which which yeah. now people are remembering as part of this country in a powerful yeah. and important way but that's right but but 
going to a question That's I, why I always- why they should be able to vote. Yes. I mean, so I'm, I'm going to let you run on that and any <laughs> other issues you want, but I want to, I want to ask you, what's, what's something that makes you angry? Um, I think I have to separate like the little things that make me um, angry when I'm watching the news, which are just really a source of more, I think frustration and anger can be confused and we can, um, I, I think the line between them gets like very um, blurry. Yeah. But um, so because you asked this and, and and I was really thinking like, what makes me angry that's outside in the world, not just, you know, in my home, yeah. but I was thinking the thing that really makes me most angry and the thing I think I feel most um, um, like really genuinely confounded by is why we can't disagree anymore. Hmm. Like I'm so, I feel so, um, I feel like I'm totally, um, like it's debilitating. Hmm. Like that, and I think the reason it makes me angry is that we can no longer have conversations with people whose opinions are different than our own, whose ideology is different, their politics are different, um, they see the world differently <clears throat> for all sorts of legitimate reasons. And because conversations aren't being had anymore in homes, at the grocery store, on the bus, at pickup, they're happening via primarily social media, which doesn't allow for any nuance or real, like people aren't going to, you know, write paragraphs. Mm. They're going to write sort of the easiest, like how do I express myself most quickly with as few letters as possible and how do I make this other person know that they're wrong and I'm right or or they're bad and I'm good or they're inferior and I'm superior? And it's, I think, um, this is not, nothing new. I'm not saying my the thing that's making me angry is surprising or fresh or that, not, that, that other people aren't feeling it. But it, it does feel like it makes me angry when somebody... Um, when people don't... They don't allow each other to disagree and still mm. be respectful yeah. and listen. Yeah. I'm certain I have so much to learn yeah. about from somebody who thinks differently than right. I do. I, I'm positive. I have it. We all have endless experiences of conversations right. that change you. It doesn't mean you're fundamentally different, but you are certainly awakened to or or far more likely to consider. You're inclined to um, to have it. Um, like penetrate in ways that that you're not even aware of. Yeah. Um, but I'm angry that we can't disagree. I'm mm-hmm. angry that that civil disagree disagreements, which are informative and productive and painful but good mm-hmm. for us, they just don't exist. Yeah. Like you'd have to lay have a playbook for it now. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's just been incredibly bad for us. Like mm-hmm. deeply harmful. I think it's hurt all of us. And the way we all dance around new people, you know, how much can I bring up? I want to know more about you. I want to know where you stand. I'm, I'm scared to ask. I think you're going to think already you've projected onto me that I think you're wrong, bad, stupid, illiterate, uneducated, blah, 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 blah. And you think I'm elitist, blah, 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 blah. And, 
or that I'm privileged and came from money and I don't know, I can't touch upon, I can't feel, I can't empathize, I can't sympathize, I can't know, you know, I'm from, I was born in Appalachia. Like I know about Appalachia. My mom was a teacher. I came from no freaking money. I was on government assistance. I understand that, you know, but I also happened to, I, I I got a part on a television show and I made money, hmm. but it doesn't separate me. So let please let me hear you. Right. Please let me hear you. Please let me share with you that I think we have so much more in common um, than, than most of us would allow us to see in one another. Mm. So that's what I'm angry about is that mm. we just can't do it anymore. Mm. It's- or for the time being, there is a moratorium on talking about our differences. Yeah. I think that's really powerful and important. And it makes me, you know, think about your, you wear a lot of hats and you're an amazing mother. You know, you're a, pa- you're a parent. And I think that gets lost in these discussions on Twitter when someone's, you know, yelling at someone, especially if you're in the public eye, there's an idea that they understand you and they can, you know, that folks can, can say things at you that they might not say on the street, mm-hmm. right? They could scream right. at a stranger on Twitter in a way yeah. you wouldn't. I'm not on you're, Twitter anymore, yeah, but Instagram right. is sure, equally available. Sure, it can available. be nasty. And <laughs> yeah. I think there's a, there's, a, there's a loss of civility. Yeah, definitely. And you are always a kind and generous person. You're changing that in just the way you treat people. And so how do you, do. how do you, how do you make sense of this president and this environment as a mother, mm. you know, beyond the right, global the business leader right. that you are and, oh, and the yeah. kind of, you know, and you've also become, you know, really a, almost an international ambassador for America, right? <laughs> you travel the world. People look to you as, 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 a, as an ambassador of all that is America and you're a positive influence. You're someone who inspires oh, people. God, that story so. of, of coming up from the bottom to the top inspires people. But how do you make sense of, of this for your children? And how do you explain it to them in a way that every other parent's trying to figure out too? Um, I guess I don't explain it to them. I think um, it's kind of, I think we're kind of fortunate in that, you know, I have a son that's 16. I have daughters that are nine, soon to be 10. And so we, they just hear talk in the house all the time. You know, they hear me you know, talking at the television or James Wilkie and I have big conversations and the girls are more and more likely to ask what, you know, what are you talking about? What do you mean? Who's that? Why did that happen? But now too, they're absorbing enough to contribute, which is really exciting. Yeah. And you'll see with writer soon enough. I'm, you're seeing it already, I'm sure in surprising ways. Yeah, but he's I got think, opinions already. I'm sure he <laughs> does. And, half, and he probably and he's surrounded by people who are talking all the time, right? right about right, what's happening outside right. their home. So I don't I'm not sure if I explain it so much as we talk about I would say we I talk about the things that upset me. I talk about the ways in which I wish things were different. Um I talk about, you know, how we can be involved if, you know, you know, the, oh, in the old days when everything was different and simple and this, and we'd be like, you can't be a, you know, Monday morning quarterback if you didn't play on Sunday, you know, Sunday <laughs> right. afternoon. And it's sort of like that. I sort of talk about things like that, meaning you got to get involved. You got to care. You got to mm. um, join. Um, you have to find a way to contribute. You have to be open and empathetic and, and, um, you know, see people, see people, see them, see mm. them, and um, and hopefully be part of things that matter. And so, 
when I see so much, you know, the lack of civility you cite or um, the kind of language that we see our elected officials using to talk about each other, to talk about people that are different, to talk about people that threaten them, um, I just counter it with, well, no, that's not how I see it. Mm. I don't see those people as threats. I understand. I, I think in particular lately, I've really thought about, you know, as, as we all have these like really, these conversations are happening that are so kind of monumental and they're almost impossible. And, you know, everyone's working toward change or we hope they are. And, um, these conversations about diversity, which are so important. I really just simply see it as I think people are terrified, mm. like genuinely terrified as mm. the minority becomes a majority, as the inevitable is that. Mm-hmm. And our place in culture and life is mm-hmm. just going to change. Mm-hmm. I will be less relevant mm-hmm. for reasons I agree with. That doesn't mean it's who, painful. people who see the change happening around them and they can't control it, they are terrified. I think it's scary yeah. for them. Yeah. I totally, yeah. and I, you know, you can look at it across the spectrum. You can sure. say, these men are scared sure. for this reason. Sure. And sure. when we see somebody cling to power in the face of law saying right. no, right. No, that's actually not the way government works. And there's co-equal branches and you actually have to answer to these calls and these letters. I just see someone digging in like, um, like they don't, I don't want to share my, I don't want to share my toy. I have never had to share my toy. Why? I'm too old. I'm too old to learn how to share. And so I look at it and recognize it more and more as well, well, where will I fit in? Where mm. will I fit in? Mm. And and um, I think these are really, I'm not pitying them. I'm saying, wow, I think this is what's happening because I even see in myself a white woman, a white woman living this life here in these surroundings. Oh, my story isn't as relevant my part, my contributions in storytelling are different. Mm. They have to be. Right. They have to be. Right. So what I tell my children is like, yeah, see other people, mm. hear them. Don't make decisions until you know more. You know, uh, be informed. Wait a second. Think twice before saying nothing. Mm. It's the hardest thing, mm. but I just think it's... You know, and we're sort of like, I've said to my son, you know, you're in the crosshairs. You're right in the center of history. You're right at the hardest part for a 16-year-old boy Mm. to absorb, make sense of, and then um, re-enter in a really healthy, respectful, smart way, still having a sense of yourself. And... I say to him all the time because we, you know, he's, there's been a huge amount happening at his school and um, like a lot of schools across this country are Mm -hmm. having these really painful conversations that are fracturing friendships and the schools are being, you know, they're, they're being, it's like someone's picking up the entire institution and shaking it as hard as they can. And then the children are landing with the thud and they thought they knew who they were. They thought they knew who their friends were. So I was like, James Wilkie, I know it's painful. You're in the center, you're in the, 
and forgive me for using crosshairs. I hope that's not no, um, offensive. But I feel like his generation, they are, they, I'm like, James Loki, 1968 shaped a generation. 2016 shaped this generation. Yeah. You are part of that. Yeah. Everybody in your group is going to be able to vote in 2020. Yeah. You are all that group. That yeah, generation yeah. will be talked about yeah. forever. Yeah, yeah. And it's painful though. Those people that you know protested at Kent State, those veterans that came back and said no and were not welcomed home, they took the blows. They they literally talk about taking one for their team, but you got to <laughs> Yeah, they had their, their skulls painful. cracked open, and they had to they it's, had to really take that on their bodies and on their souls, and and I think you're. And I'm not you're, comparing yeah. my son to no, a no, but you're veteran. showing you're showing your kids, you know what leadership is like, right? Yeah. And that's what you have to do in your home when you've got a president who acts like this and behaves like this. You know, in some ways, he's a powerful anti-example, right? And in many yeah. ways, I think no matter what party you came from, you could look at Obama as a good person as a person you would want your kids to look up to. Who, yeah, I think who, reasonable who how, people yeah, believe that to be stability true, even if they and, and leadership and compassion and intelligence, yeah. all the values that you teach at a good school, right? Mm -hmm. And you look at him and you can say, okay, I may disagree with his politics, but he's a person I can admire. And now you've got the anti-example where you mm -hmm. wake up with your kids and, and this guy's cursing at people and yelling at people and just nasty and mean sometimes, yeah. you know, and unfocused mm -hmm. and undisciplined yeah. from a military community like, like mine. That's what I see as a lack of discipline and focus mm -hmm. and forward planning and selflessness at times, I think it can be a powerful example for what not to be. Yeah, it right? could it be, be the, the antidote. The, yeah, you could say, right. don't be like this guy, yeah, which I, is maybe maybe a powerful moment I think it for is. us to I think, think you know, I think that is, and there's always the person in the class, in the school that you can say, well, yeah, that was must have been really awful and that was painful and that's mean and I'm sorry that happened to you. But now you know, now you know yeah. how you never want to treat somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never want to be the person that levels that because you were on the receiving end of something that made you feel terrible, embarrassed, right, right. ashamed, little, unincluded, right. marginalized. Right. So don't be the person that does that. Yeah. Don't say something like that because that's yeah. unkind. It's not friendly. It's not helpful. Right. It's not being part of a group. What good is going to come of that? Right. What you right. feel better yeah. for 15 minutes? Yeah. And then you spend your time alone in your room knowing you feel lousy. So, you know, all that stuff I think that you've mentioned about, you know, the, the, our current president, I think the thing too that's, you know, so much of it's stunning, just the exchange of language and words and, you know, the, all that is really, it stuns, honestly, yeah. it's stunning. But I think the thing that probably bothers me the most, like if I'm at my most reasonable and I can understand, you know, the erosion of the, like why I'm concerned about, I guess would be just simply, honestly, no sense of history, mm. no sense of, you know, these government institutions and the levers that we've had relied upon that are not perfect. I understand that. And, you know, the veterans, I mean, we can just talk about that for mm. the next five hours. Yes, it needs attention and money and management and time and people that know the history of what it's like to be in battle on the front lines, what it costs to take care of them, what down the line or I was going to say landmines, but what exists, yeah. right? Yeah. So there is that. Yeah. But there's all the other right um, parts of, of bureaucracy and, and, and just institutions that I just feel like, yes, they all – 
could be looked at and need improvement. But we forget that the institutions are people. Mm. These institutions are not monolith. They're not right. a building right, that right. is broken. They are people. Mm. And a lot of them are government workers, right? Like right. not political appointed, like people right. who love their job, feel honored by the work and understand its history, understand why relationships are important and diplomacy is important mm -hmm. and our relationships with other countries are important and why those countries that aren't paying their bills, well, there's, you know, yeah. But we also have this basic understanding of each other and we can't be the most powerful and then also say to the lesser powerful, come on, take care of yourselves. Like right. we have to look to each other. Right. So all of that stuff is the stuff that blows my mind. Yeah. I'm like, but it's our, it's the way we, it's the way we, move forward, we get better, we take care of each other, we rely on each other, you do this and I'll do that. And so th this that's lack important. of history- I, that's, I really wanted to, to get into that with you because you you set what I have called the command climate, right? In, in your family, in your business, in your projects, you know, especially when you're a leader like you are, you're setting the tone, the way you treat people, the language you choose, the way you carry yourself, what you focus on, that is leadership. And- you, you are setting that tone, a positive tone. You've done that throughout your whole career and, and your whole life. So what's it like now? People may not know that you're an incredibly successful entrepreneur. You're, you're a business leader. You're creating jobs. You're making this economy go. You're not just a celebrity hanging out in, in, in some ritzy place, you know, going to red carpet stuff. No, you're, you're, no. you're making and, and selling shoes, like something very basic yeah. and important mm -hmm. and vital and inspiring. <laughs> I love it. Stuff, right? yeah. You're very yeah. excited about it. Yeah. But you're also now, you know, a, an entrepreneur mm -hmm. building mm -hmm. a business in yep. this country, yep. you know, that's impacting the world. So how, talk about that state of affairs as, an, as a successful entrepreneur and, mm -hmm. and someone who's who's working in this economy to make this country mm -hmm. and the world better. Mm -hmm. What's that been like for, for you? Um, well, I have to say that I, I try to be the kind of leader that you describe. I really do. And I'm sh I fall short a lot and I've, you know, had to face employees and say, I'm sorry. I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that that happened that way. And that exchange was heard that way. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm learning all the time, but yeah. I've also, I've also probably like you and maybe because of your time in the military and also just starting a nonprofit, I've learned from so many other leaders. Like I have to say that that has been probably the most important part of my business life has been either by accident or design. I've been around leaders that I really admired. I've seen right. people in small businesses and large businesses who conduct themselves in a way that I, you know, that I admire and I, um, I try to, I try to be the kind of leaders that I, you know, was witness to and, 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 and was subordinate to mm. also. And, um, so it's fantastic to have businesses and it's also really fantastic, you know, to, to try to have, you know, things produced in this country as hard as it is for a small business like mine. But I would say the thing that I like the thing that I that I like best about being a business owner sp specific to the shoe company is um, meeting other people and learning about other small businesses growing in this country. Mm. And um, the first part I mean is that, you know, we have these stores in New York and 
I, you know, from the beginning, from the time the brand launched five years ago, I just made it my business to travel to every store that we had in the country, to always be on the floor and in the stockroom. And now that we have our stores in New York, I'm just there whenever I can. And mm-hmm. I work there and I'm literally on the floor selling shoes and in the stockroom. And I mean, it's, I, I own the business with my partner, so there's nobody else except some mm-hmm. very talented young people around who are, you know, the kind of the shank of the, right. you know, that are the operations. But I work every single solitary day in the business. And I think I do it because I love the opportunity it gives me to engage with all the people that I never got to be with. You know, mm. I know that I have a business because of this part that I played on a show that people allowed in their homes for all those years. And because social media didn't exist, I never got to say thank you. I never got to learn about them. I not never had an exchange with the exception of a premiere, which is not a place to have conversations and learn about a visitor to New York. But I do it all the time in our yeah. stores and our, and our, our little boutiques. So I love that. Um, and, you know, I, I look every day and I hear where, where our customers are coming from. And so that's an amazing part and that's mm. an enormous reward. But the other reward, honestly, is learning from other small businesses, some of whom have owners that I've met and learned from and talked to and others that I'm just constantly paying attention. How are they doing it? How are they doing it? And the thing that I think is most exciting about this country um, are, are, I know this sounds crazy, outside of leaders that take us to places and, 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 and protect and create policy that's good for all of us, I have to say our local business owners across this country are unbelievable. Mm. Like I make meet people all the time or I'll hear about stories or I'll read about people and they are making it happen and they are not taking pay checks and they are investing back in themselves and investing back in the success they've had in a small way and finding the means to grow, you know, to the left and then to the right and, take chances. And, um, I just don't think, and even I've, I've lots of friends from other countries and they'll be like, well, you know, this country provides, and I'm like, really? So you can't Mm. do this in Paris and you can't Mm. do this in Nepal and you can't do this in Italy and you can't do this in Sweden. And they're like, no, you actually can't. And as hard as it is right now, you know, the economy continues to elude this total sense of comfort, but business owners across this country are like, it's incredible what they're doing. Yeah. They're, they're, they're a magic kind of secret sauce that keeps this country going. And it's the great- They keep communities alive. Yeah. You know, yeah. they create jobs. Yeah. And by the way, our business owners across the country are all different ethnic bat- backgrounds. Oh, they're people of all colors absolutely. and shapes and backgrounds and And there's real opportunity. And- there's, real, there's, a real, there's a real opportunity in, in creating this, this new media company. I had never really looked into how many- veteran-owned small business options there were at the SBA, for example. Interesting. And now I'm researching some of the policies that we helped create at IAVA to create an environment where there's real you know, money out there, opportunity out there, support, mentorship around people who are getting after it. If you're, God, if you're, if you're, so. if you're in the hustle and you're in the right. grind and you're that, yeah. that great American success story, whether you're a you know, famous movie star or you're just a, a recent immigrant, that, that opportunity is real. 
and and you're deep into it and i see that myself now and i think it's a part of this fabric of the country that really binds us mm -hmm. so there's a real sense of community mm -hmm. right there's a community among business owners and just people who are getting after it yeah you know whether yeah. you, whether you're in omaha or you're in florida people getting after it can kind of rally for each other yeah and i think what what has always struck me about the american experience too is that people support you like if you're getting after it, there's this invisible hand of support. No matter who you are, they want yeah. to see other Americans succeed. And they want to support their local businesses. I, right. you know, I see it all the time here in our neighborhood, but I also, you read about it all the time. Like the surprise of the, you know, uh, of, um, of main street, you know, I know it's struggled and continues to, but there are wonderful pockets, whether you can look in Cincinnati, you can look in Detroit, you can look in St. Louis, you can look in, um, I, I don't know, crossing Richmond, Virginia. And yeah. you see like, oh my God, the main street is back. And people are like, yeah, that's actually, I want to support yeah. my local bookseller. I yeah. want to support my local restaurants. I want to support my local design, you know, my, this little shop that has like designers and local designers. It's the best feeling. Mm. And, um, so I think the thing that that's, that I've loved equally to meeting people is because I'm a small business owner and, and it's not supported financially by anybody, but me and George, you are, you feel a solidarity with other mm. business owners and mm. you learn from them. And just this idea of like people like, you know what, I'm just going to grow. I'm going to put it on my credit card. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it. I'm going to mm -hmm. keep doing it because yeah. I know I have to grow. I know yeah. I have to do this. I'm there. That's, that's, that's me so right scary. now. I showed up here with my backpack yeah, and I man. told you, this is my production <laughs> studio right now. We're sitting on a, on a, on a rug on your floor. Yeah. There's no crew. It's one little Zoom hookup in my yeah. backpack with the signs I was using in Times Square. And I've got, you know, a lot more opportunity and connections than a lot of people. But when you, when people see you getting after something, they get they get into it. Yeah. But you also approach things, SJ, with, with care and love. There's kind of love in it. So okay. when you walk into one of your stores, and I think you know this, my wife almost went into labor in your store. <laughs> yeah, you so like that Lauren was like about to go into labor. She's like, I said, what do you want to do? She said, the baby's not coming. Let's go see a movie. So we go to see a movie. And, uh, seaport. And, and by the seaport, yeah. right? And on the way, she's like, let's go look at SJ's store. Let's go. No. I love the store. So we go into the store <laughs> and I think I texted you a picture and I was like, Lauren may literally go into labor in the store. And then she didn't, we went in the movie, her water broke in the movie oh across God. the street oh, from your store. My freaking God. And then we went over to the hospital oh and God. had the baby a couple hours later. Yeah. So, so your store, you know, maybe had a, had a positive impact in, in, like in the birth of our child, like, but we almost had labor. the first baby born in one oh of your God, stores by total coincidence. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. But I want to, I want to go one other direction if yeah, I can. Sure. You, you are on this show for me because you care about veterans and you care about so many other causes and you've been so inspiring and you and I have, have talked about this for a while, but would you ever run? I want you to run for mayor. No, I told you, know? you I'd run if you ran. I know, but I've told you no, 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 I'm no, no, not no. a fan of our current mayor here in New York City. Oh, I'm not disappointing. I'm, yes, and I'm I'm not a fan of a lot of politicians in this country. Mm -hmm. But I think if you ran for mayor tomorrow, you'd crush nah, everybody. Nah, 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 nah. If you ran for president tomorrow, nah, you'd probably no, at least be no. top ten in the nah, polls. No, 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 no. But but you know, no, you, I don't. You I have don't, close friends who have I run did. now. Cynthia ran yes, for governor, and, and you were very I'm close so to that. I'm so freaking proud of her, and glad she did it. And um, I think we'll be feeling the effects of um, the Cynthia effect for a while. I think she mm -hmm. was really good And we're talking about Cynthia Nixon who ran for governor mm -hmm. of New York against Andrew Cuomo in the primary yep. and had long been an activist in New Grew York up on her whole life a, as an a activist. variety of issues, yep. Yep. Um, but ran a pretty inspiring campaign and, and an outsider campaign. And, and mo definitely, moved him left. Definitely. I mean, I don't mean left. Let me do it this way because that's not the, that's not the, that's not the um, end all be all. I think she moved him toward conversations that were really important to have. Mm. And he, 
he listened. He heard her. And um, it was not, it wasn't the kind of campaign. I mean, I feel like I wish he had been, um, you know, I found him to be on occasion. I wish he'd been more, uh, more sophisticated about attacks. You know, I mm. dragged me into one. I was like, what are you talking about? I don't have a tea shop. What are you talking mm. about? Mm. Um, and Do you he, think that's a function of the environment where even a guy like Cuomo feels like, like he, he was he can... threatened enough by, by Cynthia's um, confidence yeah. and her aggression, mm. which by the way, put it on a man and it looks really inspired and put it on a woman and people are like, she's unlikable or whatever. Mm. Now, I'm not saying they said that about mm. Cynthia, but that's the mm. typical, mm. I think in debate, she was strong. She was, she was fierce, strong. She, she was she fearless. She threw punches. She didn't take any shit, no. you know, and, and, you know, I'm an independent. So, you know, I kind of sit as an outsider and watch the Democrats kind of eat their own. Right. <laughs> I know. But, but, but she did, if you look at movement politics, she achieved a lot. She moved him toward the issues that she cares about. Correct. You know, especially on issues of equality, yep. um, financial equality, economic equality. She busted up those guys up in, you know, Albany that have been sitting together and coalescing and sort of being pretend right. Democrats. You know, yeah. I think- but she, she was a positive, disruptive force. If you look at the tapestry of America, totally right? Agree. No matter what you're- Totally agree. She, she made, she was- disruptive mm -hmm. in a positive way yeah. right and you would be too so you're not answering my I question think, but no, would you ever run do you think, think about running because um, you're I such never a diplomat think about it. as well I think all of us think like when we watch yeah. the news at night we're like yeah. all right come on yeah. man you, well, that, you can't I be can... any worse than, than half the people <laughs> down there but you know, you know did you ever think about running for the senate or somewhere where you could really be in a diplomatic role and in an international role like the idea of you you know seriously on the foreign affairs committee mm -hmm. you're more qualified in global affairs and business and culture than most of the people who sit on that right now really i don't think I, so i think so no. sure you haven't been to washington as much as i have there's a lot of really unqualified people down there Eek. who are just talking shit and, well. and, and they haven't been in appalachia and in a volkswagen and in, in <laughs> houston selling shoes maybe like, they need to travel more no, but um, travel. i think i honestly i don't i don't think i really have ever thought about it seriously i think mm. we all think we could be better than those that are are in a moment or unfortunately for longer than a moment really um, annoying us, frustrating us, um, embarrassing us, making us feel ashamed. Mm -hmm. We all think we could be better. I mean, I think that's, mm -hmm. you know, probably yeah. healthy and good. I just don't see myself doing, I don't see myself, um, I, I, I guess, I guess I have a little bit of that thing. Like I'm really not equipped, but probably, uh, probably I'm just not willing to sacrifice doing the things that I like to do that mm. would not allow that. Like mm. if I was really wanting yeah. to have a career in politics, it deserves to be just completely um, just laser focused and your entire life and mm. you need to give up a lot. And, um, and it's amazing that people do that yeah. oftentimes for really good reasons and because they really do want to, um, they really do want to rep represent yeah. their constituents. That's how it's supposed to be, right? Like you that, that's fun. It's, yeah. I mean, I, I think everyone can probably understand where you're coming from, but there's a sense of, you, know, you have a sense of duty. You have a sense of patriotism. You mm -hmm. love your city and your state and your country and your world. Mm -hmm. And you want to give back. But the state of our politics has also made it such that it's, it's really nasty mm -hmm. and it's uncomfortable and it's mm -hmm. terrible for your family. And it's not public service is not celebrated like it once was no. when our founders envisioned you leaving the farm and serving mm -hmm. for a couple of years mm -hmm. and then going back to the farm. Yep. Yep. But I think that, that it is, there is a calling for people who don't think they should do it or don't. Those are the people we need the most. I know. Are the people I who, know. who don't think they should do it. And, and I think though there are better people. I think there are people that, 
that are better suited right now even than me. I mean, if I think I would always like, you know, to serve. People would have said that about the president a couple years ago too, but now you've got this guy that you know from New York. I think. You've seen him, you know, for decades. And now, you know, there are a lot of people, Howard Schultz thinks he can run for president. A lot of other people, Mark Cuban, who knows? I think there's a difference between having money, which gives you opportunity and makes you think you can run for president or for any elected office. I think what's exciting now about, Yes, I could run. You could run. I've encouraged you in all seriousness to run. And I hope, I actually hope you do one day um, sooner than later. Because there's a lot of appetite for an, an independent, broke white guy from Southern Manhattan. I do think there is an appetite for um, a veteran who's worked and created a nonprofit that's wow. been one of the most important voices in advocating for veterans. Un- that's indisputable, that's yeah. inarguable. Um, I think someone who's not living, um, you know, off fat paychecks in the Southern tip of New York has every right and has as more so to talk about what's important and policy affects Mm -hmm. you and your family and those, uh, those veterans of all colors and backgrounds and sexual orientation. Yeah, Yeah, man, I think you have a lot to contribute and I really do hope, and I will say this off mic as well. I do hope you run one day when it's right for you and your family. But But it's also hard as an independent, right? Like that's something that part of the show is about. It is, but I think it's going to become less and less so. I think... And I also think I can make more of an impact. I think there's a, there's right a part now. of this conversation yes. too, right? I, I can make more of an impact with this show, you know, with the work that I do in, in philanthropy by writing, by trying to do some some policy analysis and, and some leadership direction. Also being like, counseled to other people yeah, running for yeah. office. I mean, I, we've, we've seen a lot of people that we know run and that shit sucks. Like, I don't want that for my family. Yeah. I don't want, especially Congress, like nobody wants to be down for dollars every year. Yeah. Um, and, and I think all it's of us are looking rough. for, that's part of what this show is about, is about finding ways to make an impact. So I think you've been very, very generous in, in like talking us through your thought process, but you are, you are driving politics in this country in a different way. And mm-hmm. th- that's true for Sean Hannity. It's true for but Howard it's true Schultz. For every it's true citizen. for a lot of different people. Right now, it's true for every yeah. citizen. And I guess yeah. what I'm saying is, uh, sure, who, who doesn't have a fantasy of being part of the conversation or, you know, in the room where it happens. But, yeah. but I think right now, um, what I'm excited about is well, just for instance, all these women that ran, yeah. you know, that's that's who I'm hoping, uh, that's who I'm encouraging to run now. Hmm. More voices, more diverse voices. And I don't just mean it like arbitrarily. I think it's really exciting. Look, it's proved to be really challenging for the Democrats right now to have mm. so disparate voices and points of view. And they're not just generational, right? Yeah. They're ideological. Yeah. And... um and it's hard and, you know, it's hard to wrap your head around some of the more um, like controversial ideas that mm-hmm. are, that are, that are surfacing mm-hmm. and being um, offered up. Um, but it's really, really good for us. So I could run, but anyone can run. I mean, you know, I think the guy down the street, George Caps, is who you've met, who is the publisher of the Westview. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, yeah, man, he should be running. You know he's eighty something years old, so I don't think he he's really has plans on it. We but need there more are 80, so some, of, some of the eighty year olds who haven't people, been in government to come back. And in, if they yeah. had the time and the money and the resources and, and support, the wisdom, yeah, I, there are lots of people in this country should run. And so, um, but I, I, I so you're you not going to declare on angry Americans. We had we no, had no, no, no. we had no. Willie Geist in episode one basically said Joe Scarborough was running. Ron Perlman wow. told us in a recent episode that he is not running, although he okay. had declared before. 
Um, you're not running. I'm not running, so not but I am excited about the people who I so think should be running. I was going to actually ask you if you don't mind. So, so who are you excited about? And without, you haven't done an endorsement. Mm-mm, I don't mm-mm. know if you will do an endorsement. I mean, I don't know whatever that they is, may all come through this. Worth. They may all come through this living room at I've some point. I've had conversations with a bunch of them, and yeah. um, um, I'm excited about the offerings. I'm excited that there are so many. I'm also by the same token, I hope we can focus and I hope we can um, be good to one another in conversation, mm-hmm. um, that we are um, generous enough of spirit and also brave enough to say, I really like that idea and I'm going to adopt it myself and I'm going to integrate mm-hmm. that because I think this idea of um, uh, your man, Sherrod Brown, um, what did he call it? The dignity of work. How did he describe mm, that? Yeah. What was his beautiful uh, motto that he um, was, as he was touring the country yeah, with his yeah. wife and I guess really pondering the idea of a run himself. Yeah, yeah. And, from Ohio, of, right? and from Ohio. And from Ohio, a great, I think a great man and an yeah. extremely exciting leader. And it's curious to me that he didn't choose to run, which I yeah. think also says something. I think what I'm excited to see is that there are so many, I hope they're, open to sharing ideas, which are good for everybody. Mm-hmm. I hope they're, um, my guess is they're smart enough and, um, and are focused on a victory in 2020 that they are willing to step to the side and support each other. And that as a, as a party of people who are sharing basic fundamental, mm-hmm. um, ideas about what we think is good for us as Americans, I really hope we can get yeah. behind one person. Do you think, so to that point. One person. Yeah, to that, one person. To that point, <laughs> I, I, I talked in previous episodes about uh, Mark Twain's quote where he says, I'm not a member of an organized party, I'm a Democrat. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the Democrats are, are kind of on the verge of eating their own. Um, do you feel like they can do that? Like, can they, can they unite around Here's one what I candidate and, and enough? It's up to the candidate who yeah. emerges. I think it's, you think that's, that's a the real primary challenge for the candidate is to ask them how they can unite all the other tribes. It's like Game of Thrones, right? Like, yeah, how are you going to bring all the families together to focus well, on, you know, what many people consider, you know, the, the zombie apocalypse that's coming, the great, the great threat to the to the future of our country, which is how many in the Democratic Party view Trump, right? right? So right. that may be their biggest challenge, right? Is figuring out how to organize yeah. all the others. But I feel as if we, if we, if we're not mature enough, if we're not um, introspective enough, if we're not honest enough with ourselves to recognize um, the play, the ways in which we fell short as a party in 2016, then that's our then then we don't get, then we are grabbing Hmm. defeat from the jaws of victory. Mm. I say what I'm hopeful about and what I hope we see is um, the woman and the man, the man and the woman, however that ticket stacks up, Mm -hmm. emerge and convince their, the other candidates, right? The competitive candidates to get behind them by offering by showing that they are listening and they are hearing and not just talking. And I'm not Mm -hmm. just saying you move center for the thing and then Mm -hmm. you go back left once Mm -hmm. you get in office. You say, look, you prove yourself to be trusting and deserving of their support. Mm -hmm. And I really, I really believe that the kind of candidates who are standing up, whether it's, you know, um, whether it's between all of the great women running, whether it's right, Amy Klobuchar, Mm -hmm. Kamala Harris, um, uh, um, What's her name? I just forgot her name. Good. 
Uh, who else? Kirsten Gillibrand, Kirsten. Tulsi Gabbard. Right. There's, there's right. a whole. So those are those yeah, there's, four right now. There's 19 candidates all together. Between that and then we've got, you know, Eric Swalwell, you've got right. Bennett maybe, you've got Biden maybe tomorrow announcing. Mm-hmm. So you have like um, upperclassmen, elder statesmen, mm-hmm. you've got new, um, uh, like, some call him rogue. You know, you've got Eric Swalwell, who is a prosecutor in right, California. Right. You've got everything in now there. Now Seth Moulton from Seth Massachusetts. Seth Moulton, who yep. is, some would say, why is he doing that? That's yeah. Elizabeth Warren's territory. Yeah. We didn't mention her. Right, Sorry, Warren, forgive me. Right. Um, no, this is America. This is a mm. democracy. Everybody gets to raise their hand. And if they get the signatures and they can get on the mm. thing and they've got the money to support their candidates, they have every right to tell so, us their so ideas. So you are, again, a populist voice. They're going to have to come to you and earn your vote, right? And I think <laughs> Like that's, that's, every American yeah, vote. Yeah, they've got to earn think, the votes in Wisconsin. It's, it's encouraging and, to hear that, you, that you're that you open and you haven't said, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm with this one right now. I'm excited by a lot of them. That's good. And, I, and, I, and I've been excited by they them work separately. Right? None of them should not. And I think maybe I think they know it. Yeah. I and really you're identifying think, what I think maybe is, is, the, is the core leadership challenge for the, for the Democratic candidate is how can you bring all these people together? together because you're gonna have to bring the whole country together yeah so if you can't bring the tribes in your own party together how the hell are you going to bring everybody outside of this country how the hell are you going to bring republicans and and you know the christian right and people and who independents are really, and people yeah. who were obama voters in 2018 yeah. or 2008 and two or no 2008 2012 yep. um but i do think that this is an opportunity to show that you can be a leader. A lot of them aren't tested on big national stages, like in the big tent. Mm-hmm. We have people that are, that, that are running that have um, played um, roles in a, you know, a, a less, the, the spotlight has been less hot on yeah, them, yeah. but that's just, that's fine by me. I don't care about that. Yeah. You're a mayor of the fourth largest city in Indiana. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Tell yeah. me, I tell ask me you about because that. You're, you know, you're also a great, you know, talent scout. You know, you see talent. You see, you do. You see talent, whether it's in entertainment or business or the candidates who come through your living room. This guy's a phenomenon, mm-hmm. Mayor Pete, mm-hmm. right? This yep. Have you seen anything like this before? Like maybe AOC, maybe Trump, but like this is this is something different with him, right? Do you feel that way? Or I what, feel what it. I see it. We've been watching it. I'm going to sneeze, sorry. Please. Okay. <laughs> Pardon me. Um, the authenticity I of think, a podcast <laughs> in full effect. I think, um, yeah, I've been paying attention to Mayor Pete for a while. Um, and, uh, I would say it's, it's pretty phenomenal what's happening. Um, and I think like many have said that he is really equipped, you know, every interview, he's incredibly impressive. Mm. You know, he's, he has language at his fingertips. Mm -hmm. He's quick. He's nimble. Mm -hmm. He's, um, respectful. Mm. He's a man of faith, and he can talk about all of that. He can talk about mm. his experiences uh, in local government. He can talk about his experiences as a as a as a vet. He mm-hmm. can talk about um, his experiences as a college student, as a lover of language and many languages. So I think it's really impressive. I think he has the opportunity to capture some people who um, really turned away in the last election. Mm. But I also, by saying that, I want to say that. Let's not forget we felt really excited about Beto not mm. 4 or 5 months ago, right? 6 months mm-hmm. ago when was the midterm? Mm-hmm. I think we had um we had um we had turned over a huge amount of our hope mm-hmm. to Beto and mm-hmm. I think he um by we think, you, you mean the real democrat I think the people that the were democrat, excited and the people yeah. of Texas that came out yeah, and made yeah. that such a close election. Yeah, yeah. I think that speaks yeah. to the kind of candidate he can be and yeah. I don't want to 
I don't want him to be eclipsed right now, yeah. not because um, he is being diminished, but because this is what happens, right? right. We Democrats, get these blitz. Dem- we yeah. get these like these like these heartbeats, these yeah. irregular heartbeats. Yeah. Especially they, in the Democratic Party. They say yes. all the time that Democrats fall in love and Republicans fall in line. Right. right? And the Democrats are right. going through that love affair with different candidates yeah, at different like, times. But in the end, can they coalesce? Who's your or, spouse? Yeah, yeah. You Who have you, to make you a commitment You want to have an affair, you want to date, you <laughs> want to go on, you know, and have a quick <laughs> fling. Who is your spouse? And yeah. um, So it's it's kind of uh, America is is a character in Sex in the City kind of working their way <laughs> across the tapestry of single people. Yeah, they're courting. They're yeah. courting and they're... Um, they're playing the market. Like they are available. They are single. Yeah. They're on Tinder. They're on whatever it is. And yeah. they are, they are, and they all need to be heard. And I don't want people to like give up panic. Like I think about the numbers changing in this new recent New Hampshire poll, right? Where mm-hmm. Mayor Pete was third mm-hmm. behind an unannounced candidate, right? right, right. And Biden. Bernie, yeah. who's, you know, powerful and effective and he's, colorful and bold Mm -hmm. and um but we need to hear from all of them we Mm -hmm. need to hear Mm -hmm. we need and we have to also you know we need to hear from the women um how do you say your name correctly so i don't mess it up tulsi tulsi gabbard right you know she needs to be heard and i and i want to make sure that the press doesn't do that thing they do Mm. where they pivot and the spotlight's on mayor pete because he's exciting right, and smart right, and interesting right, and right. has a lot of promise and potential. Yeah. And we miss the other conversations right, that are happening because right, those right. are com- those conversations yeah. are happening yeah. with Klobuchar, with yeah. Kamala, yeah. with Elizabeth Warren, who's getting a lot of attention lately because she's brought out some big yeah, policy yeah, stuff yeah. that's exciting yeah. and terrifying yeah, to yeah, some. Yeah, yeah. So I just, I want everyone to be heard. That's a I, great challenge for the candidates right now too, is can you grab the news cycle without just creating headlines or without doing damage, right? right. Like Trump has has become a master of grabbing headlines and AOC to some extent now has been able to find ways to keep her issues and herself in the news. And sometimes they're intertwined, this powerful celebrity candidate Mm -hmm. thing that's now emerging. It's always been true in America, right? If you think about JFK or Ronald Reagan that, you know, they were, they were somewhat celebrities, right? Mm -hmm. But now with Trump, there's this really powerful intersection of the two where, you know, politicians want to be celebrities and some celebrities want to be politicians and they're interchangeable. So yeah. that, that I think is going to be really exciting to watch. I think it's a really, I think it's going to be exciting to get into debates and then ultimately, um, you know, if, if the current president is willing and brave enough to be in a debate form, which I'm not entirely convinced he is, to mm, be honest, mm. I think that is where, um, where it's all, I think that's where it's all going to mm. land because I don't think that any of the, I think the thing that we have to see from from the Democratic candidates is who is equipped to um, to do swordplay with the current president um, the way he likes to play, but also, and, and not be diminished, right? Not right. be little Pete, little this, little mm-hmm. that, blah, 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 whatever those, mm-hmm. you know, juvenile... Um, sophomoric yeah um disrespectful little monikers that he yeah. likes crazy what, joe he called right? Joe whatever that yeah, is yeah, right yeah, yeah. so who can handle that deflect it mm-hmm. diminish it um make him look less mature for mm-hmm. doing it mm-hmm. and really sort of um put him by contrast in the light that he deserves that that kind of language mm-hmm. deserves to be mm-hmm. in and then 
just keep talking policy. Yeah. Just keep talking policy. Yeah. Talk about. But, but get your popcorn ready because it's going to be a hell of a show and everybody's going to be looking for it. It's going to be the prize fight and of the century. And every time he does it, I think yeah. they would have to say, you know what? I'm not, I'm not interested right. in that. The American right. well, public, it's they... been fun for a couple of years and people have delighted and it's been a source of entertainment, but it's disrespectful to mm. our voters. Mm. You either share what your policy is and you answer these questions and you tell them why. A, B, and C, why transgenders can't serve in our military mm -hmm. after a long, pretty decent history of serving with honor and grace and respect and, and victory and the respect of their others, right? right, right. Like, why, 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 why? If you can't answer those questions, I have no, call me whatever name, I, you know, like- this is debate. This is now debate prep with Sarah Jessica Parker. I want to see you up there with him. No, but oh my I want. No. You've been very generous with your okay, time. Okay, sorry, no, sorry, no, sorry. No, don't. Is it this is this is no. This is why podcasts are great. But I promised you to keep it short. Okay. We've gone way beyond that's that. That's all right. That's all right. But I also. Um, ask everyone because you have so much joy and so much happiness. I ask people, you know, what makes you an angry American? But I also want to know <laughs> from the great and wise Sarah Jessica Parker, <laughs> what's something that makes you happy? Oh, there's so much that makes me happy. Uh, I, um, my okay. There's a there's a bunch, and some of them are you know I think families and parents will um will recognize my daughter playing me a song on her recorder, you know, that she's worked really hard on. They do it all the time, but I really, I love it. Um, I don't, I can't explain why there is mm. something so completely seductive and charming and touching about somebody. Well, about my daughter's playing the recorder, which they yeah. take pretty seriously. It's, it's a required instrument at their uh -huh. school, which is not unusual. Uh -huh. Um, but it, it really touches me. And, um, so that makes me really happy. And she's playing for you. And she's playing for Your me because she's worked for you on is, it. It's an she, incredible moment as a parent. Right? Yeah. It's just nice. Yeah. It's an and accomplishment parent, right? that she feels yeah. really good about. Yeah. And she's proud of Amazing. how much she's learned or taught herself. So that's really very pleasant. Um, books, Mm. Books make me very, very, very happy. And I think the thing that extends from my own personal enjoyment of reading is the way it connects me with other people, strangers across mm. the globe. Um, books have, I think, the singular ability to, um, to cultivate empathy because mm. you can travel to places you don't know and will never visit and cultures that are entirely different than our own that are radical literally mm. and are radically different and um and then when you share it on social media the reason i point it out as something that makes me happy is because it's almost singularly the one thing that i can talk about on instagram that is not controversial mm. people love to share yeah. titles and talk That's about great. books and how books have you know, with the role they've played in their life. Mm -hmm. So books make me really, really Amazing. happy. And I'll say the last thing that makes me really happy is when I swipe my Metro card and I run down the stairs and the train is like, I look down and I see lights coming and I'm like, oh my God, the timing is perfection. Which never happens. It, you're know, also it happy because it happens so seldom. It doesn't happen a lot. Enough Maybe it happens like, for you. I feel like they should no. run the subway especially for you no, because no, no. it's like a scene and they Do may you know be shooting I it. Meet? I got to meet that no. guy. Which guy? The, oh, the uh, the guy who runs the MTA. Yes, and what yes. I was going to say on Instagram, for which I was terrified. For folks who don't know, there is an amazingly dynamic guy me, I'm sure um, look up his who, name run, right now. who runs the MTA. He's and from England. Andy, he's, he's British. Yes. And he fixed the entire... 
the subway Canada. system in Toronto. Yep. And now he is, I think, a source of hope and inspiration for and, many New Yorkers and all Americans. And he's um, in a thing, right? He, Allegedly with our governor. He is battling the governor. He is battling the bureaucracy. Did you he notice is, they've been very... Um, They've been very, what is his name? I'm his trying name to look at His name is Andy Byford. That's it. And I actually ran into him on the street. You did? I did, because I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan. This guy, and they did a 60 minutes special on him. I and love I him. said to him, You are my, always oh my, my SJ, him. you are always my favorite candidate for mayor. But I turned to this guy, I said, Dude, you're <laughs> awesome. Will you please run for mayor? Please fix this shit. Fix this city. Our mayor's a disaster. Oh, no. Maybe he'll run for yeah. president. But if you don't know, Andy Byford would love to have him on the podcast. Oh, my God. He'd be because fantastic. He is a vehicle for many angry Americans because the, the this is a theme in this show is not just the subways, but our infrastructure, my hashtag is our infrastructure sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a very heartbreaking article in the times now about the great Penn station yeah, that was eliminated. I, I, yeah, and it, it makes me cry, but so many great uh, institutions were built. Infrastructure pieces were built and Andy Byman, Byford gives us hope for the future. Can I just say one thing, Please, to Mr. Byford? Cause I was actually going to say it on Instagram. I thought people would go bananas and they wouldn't know what I was talking Please. about and being cryptic that way. Isn't particularly Please. fun for most people. Please, Mr. Byford, please, please don't leave. Please settle your, any differences, which everybody has been very, you know, yes. graceful about. Yes. Cuomo and yes. Byford have all yes. like, and their spokespeople yes. have been like, no, no, yes. no, no, no. The yes. differences are easily, you know, we can, we can cross this, you know, Brit, whatever. Yes. So please, Mr. Byford, I've never seen him. I've been waiting. I waited for his arrival. It was such a big deal when he uh-huh. got here. We have an enormous amount of hope. Our eggs are in his basket. Yes. So I, I just hope that um, he doesn't give up on us. I know the city is like enormously challenging, but I really hope he, um, I get him on the podcast. I, I think yeah. having your endorsement will be the biggest populist. <laughs> and I want to meet He's him gotten so his poll bad. numbers are going to b- bounce by 20% just based off this endorsement. But I think you're right. He, he, he is a guy who, look, Infrastructure is an issue that frustrates everybody, no matter where yeah. you are in this country. And I think he is a, a source of hope on that issue. Mm-hmm. And if you can fix the New York City subways, then maybe you can go fix our roads. Maybe you can go fix Washington. Like yeah. this guy is one to watch. I really think he why is. Why don't we have better trains? In the, I mean, I why I want to travel on trains more. I, I, I travel on a train every chance I get. I'm I always choose a train. I adore trains. I have two little boys <laughs> who are obsessed with trains. You and I could do a whole podcast just riding around on trains yes, talking to people. but also, why aren't we not support? I guess I know why we're not supportive. Let's that's another the issue that for the next yes. time you come on Angry yes. Americans. Yes. I also have gifts. I've been giving them oh to guests. Boy. And so what is it? this is something I gave oh all goodness. the other give, guests. Oh. And it's, um, <gasps> it's, it's my daughters are going to freak. Easter is over. Tabitha went but, to six stores looking lo- for peeps, but we love peeps, right? Oh it's just, God. I did it with Willie oh, and so I did it, sweet. you know, with, with, uh, <clears throat> with Peter Berg and oh I have God. blue, yellow Thank and pink you. peeps. But Fantastic. here's the question too: of the colors, Sarah Jessica Parker, which color would you traditionalist? A uh, yellow. Yellow. That's, why? Why yellow? I think because it's what I think of as like the the original, the OG of Peeps <laughs> is the um, is the yellow. I mean, it's, I think yes. the Peeps in pink and blue came later. Yeah, they did. Um, so they I kind of I feel tend right. to yeah. I'm gra- I gravitate toward um, toward sort of my past. I think yep. like I'm sentimental. And I'm nostalgic, and the yellow peeps are. I think for most people of a certain age, they're the they're so the Andy, ones that. Andy like, Byford gets the Sarah Jessica Parker endorsement. Yellow peeps get the endorsement. I also yes. have been. I know you are famous for the the, the cocktails your characters <laughs> consume, and this is a podcast, uh-huh. so I'm opening 
You know, oh this is a very God. New York City liquor store bag. No but way. Then I got you. You can open it later or now. But well, I, tell me that I want to make the sound on on your. What is I, uh, it? Is a, Should I open it later and no, tell you, you about it? You can open it later. It, it's a. Every, I want to give every guest uh, an American whiskey. Oh my God. And so I, I do this thing where I go to the store and I try to find one that speaks to me for oh. that person. And the one for you, I don't know if this is going to work. We can try to. Can we do it with our? Oh yeah, you did it because you're so strong. So it's kind. Here's why I got. Wow, what does it say? Blood oath. Oh my god! I just thought it looked (gasps) badass. It's beautiful. And I wanted to find something that was American. You know who's going to love this too is my husband. It's from Kentucky, so we're doing. Wow. There's some amazing whiskey happening in America right now. So I grew up across. You know, I was born in Cincinnati, which is across the river from Kentucky. From Kentucky. (laughs) And my um, parents have some amazing stories about Kentucky because they went to university deep in the mm. southeastern part of Ohio in, mm. um, at OU, which is in the foothills of Appalachia. Um, I, I don't know. I don't have a whole thing about Kentucky. Um, but also I think that um, we learned about true bluegrass from Kentucky. Mm. Like the grass really is blue. Kentucky is a spectacular, a spectacular place. Yeah. So and, this is well, lovely. That's where this Thank from. you. And it, it comes in a really kind of cool wooden box because I can't give it's sort of aged, I can't give right? Jessica Parker just some don't, shitty don't be some silly. shitty you liquor given, you don't have to it has to have anything. presentation no, and it, it does it has to have a connection it has oh, to have no. a story it has oh, to have nostalgia God. but that is my my gift to you thank but you my other, I will share it with with everybody that that comes into this house and great. um and hopefully you will too be you will raise a glass with me next time we meet absolutely over policies or issues or candidates or um or just your to announcement talk. Or just you know, running with no, Andy no, Byford no, no, for no, something. No, no, no. Or when we get Andy Byford here to tell us, to sort of bring us up to speed, he can do a master if, class on- I love it. If Andy Byford ran with Andy Cohen- That's interesting. Okay. Or yeah. if Andy Cohen ran for mayor, Andy's been in this yes. room at political events but I've seen him before. Who did I running for mayor though? I did hear someone- Oh, is Donnie Deutsch running for mayor? I don't know. I heard Donnie I mean, Deutsch might be, run for mayor. In two years, it might be like, you know, the Democratic primary. Everybody might be running for, for, for mayor. Yeah. But- but if, if you and or Andy Byford and, and or Andy Cohen run for anything, I think you're going to destroy everybody. <laughs> I'm not running, but, but, but I'm excited about people that are courageous yes. enough and selfless enough to run. Well, you are courageous and selfless, and I am so thankful Thank to you. you for joining this podcast, for My sharing pleasure. your thoughts with the people who care about these issues and care about their country. You really are a true patriot. And I think part of what you are doing, and I hope this show will do, is redefine what it means to be a patriot. I think some people have kind of hijacked patriotism in many ways. I think this president has hijacked what it means to be a patriot and we are redefining it every day. But I think we should say then, because I I think of myself as fortunate. I do think of myself as a a patriot because I have come to know and love this country as an Mm. adult in ways that I couldn't have understood as a child. Um, But I, but, but what I've seen over the last many years, specifically the last two, I just want to say that I think our country is, filled with with extraordinary people and most of whom we don't get to hear from every day and most of whom don't get a spotlight or don't get to come on your podcast but are really um, great and true American patriots and I think they work really hard and I just want to say to all those people who inspire me and I know inspire you and many of whom you worked side by side when you were serving in the military who are working two and three jobs and trying to raise a family and trying to be role models to whether it's their own children or family or friends or members of their church, their community, I honor them. And I, I tell you, you inspire me. And I think it's 
the reason that so many of us care about the future of this country is because of them. And because mm. sometimes they don't have the time to go to a march. Mm. They don't have the means or the support to join in a collective endeavor because they are working two and three jobs and have no child care and don't have the kind of financial means that they need and deserve and should have. Um, so I want to just say to them, because I know you reach those those people and mm -hmm. that, aud that audience and those Americans mm -hmm. who are most deserving of our praise, I want to tell them that I'm involved because they inspire me and because mm -hmm. I... I want to do right by them, and and they deserve more and better. Mm. And well, they're getting so much generosity and leadership and positive example from you. I, I often ask people to share a message with our audience, a message of inspiration, because sometimes there are people who are having a hard day, a hard year, a hard mm -hmm. life, and they look to you and others for inspiration, and, and you just gave it to them. Well, and I look to them because I think, <laughs> honestly, I mean, I really, but I, I could not mean that more sincerely. I really, I know you do. I know you I, do. I, I, pe I'm stunned gotten, by people's tenacity and determination and stamina. It's just... It's heartrending and, and deeply inspiring. Well, you are, as I started, a, an American that shaped the fabric of this country. And you are, if people didn't know before, they know now. You're shaping the future no. of this country. I just, I'm, a, a, I'm, a, I'm a sheep, not yeah, a shepherd. I'm hardly. just following along with those You're, who humil are Humility is a great leadership <laughs> trait, and you demonstrate it every single day. Uh, we, we in the Angry Americans community appreciate you and salute you. And on a very you. personal level, I am so grateful for your friendship and oh, your mentorship. Thanks and your example and you just kick ass and <laughs> do so you. many good you've taught me to be a, a better parent and a better oh, person and I'll, I can't I'll thank you enough that. for joining us on thank this show you. and I hope you enjoy thank the peace and the whiskey I'll enjoy all together of it. or separately together, I was going to say together or separately thank you. <laughs> thank you thank you every episode I'll offer a productive way to channel your righteous anger and today I've got a new issue and a new action. It's a serious one. There's a fellow American who needs our help, our focus, and our attention. That fellow American is a guy named Austin Tice. Unlike the president and all senior administration officials, I was at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. If you were there in D.C. or you watched it or you read about it, you probably heard that it was really focused on protecting the First Amendment. Beyond all the black tie stuff and the celebrities... The event's really about celebrating and protecting the First Amendment and journalists, most of whom are patriots, most of whom are not, as the president dangerously and shamefully refers to them, the enemy of the people. They are not the enemy of the people. They're the guardians of the people, as much as our military, our cops, or anyone else. And like these others, journalists are real people with real families and really important, increasingly dangerous jobs Jobs that sometimes get him threatened, sometimes get him killed, and sometimes gets him captured. That's what happened to Austin Tice. Austin Tice is an American journalist and a fellow citizen that's been held captive in Syria for over six years. As of this recording, it's been 2,451 days, 16 hours, 32 minutes, and 4 seconds. That's how long Austin Tice has been held captive in Syria. He's a seventh-generation Texan, a Houston native. He's an Eagle Scout, a National Merit finalist, a graduate of Georgetown, recipient of the 2012 George Polk Award for War Reporting, and the 2015 National Press Club John Abishan Freedom of the Press Award. He's also a Marine Corps veteran. 
He served his country as a Marine infantry officer. And again, he stepped forward to serve our country as a journalist and to give voice to the voiceless. He's the kind of young man I hope my sons will grow up to be like one day. In May 2015, the summer before Austin's final year at Georgetown, he went to Syria as a freelance journalist. He went there to tell the story of the ongoing conflict and its impact on ordinary people and kids. In August 2015, Austin made his way just south of Damascus to write his final piece. He planned to depart for Lebanon on August 14th, three days after his 31st birthday. He got into a car in Damascus, in a suburb, to make a short trip. But shortly before leaving, he was detained at a checkpoint. Five weeks later, a 43-second video emerged with the title, Austin Tice is Alive. It showed Austin being held by a group of unidentified armed men. No other message accompanied the video. This is the only information his family has received from his captors. No one's contacted them to claim responsibility. They haven't told him what's required for his safe release. Most importantly, they and the U.S. government and other credible sources believe Austin is alive. The FBI is offering a reward of up to $1 million for information leading to a safe return. If you have this information, contact the FBI tip line. I'll also have a link on the Angry American website. Now, Mark and Deborah are his parents. They're heroically fighting every day to ensure Austin's not forgotten. As a parent myself, I can only imagine their pain. Think about it. If you're a parent, just try to picture it. His family is fighting, and his family has a plea. It's pretty simple. They asked the governments of the Syrian Arab Republic and the United States to use every available resource to bring Austin home safely. And you can help. After you finish listening to this show, go to the Angry Americans Facebook page and take action. We'll have links to how you can donate, how you can spread the word, and how you can also use the hashtag Angry Americans and, and Free Austin Tice. You can spread the word about Austin, about his plight, and about this issue. Marines like Austin say, Semper Fi, always faithful. Let's show Austin and his family that we are always faithful and that he's not forgotten. The community around this show has been rallying. We rallied around our 9-11 first responders. After episode two with Rob Sarah, the impact was huge. We need to keep that up. We need to do it again now for Austin Tice. This is more than a show. If you're listening, you're a part of a community. And this show and this community will get shit done. We won't just complain. We won't just talk. We won't just scream at our screens or fire off tweets. We'll take action because that's what Americans do. That's what this show will do. And that's what you can do every day. If you've got a story to tell or a resource to share, use the hashtag angry Americans. Let me know. Go to our Facebook page. Get involved. Don't just be angry. Be active. What a show. I really hope you liked it. We put a lot of work into it. Like America, this show is a team game. Success is a team game. And this show is not possible without the help of an awesome team. Huge thanks to Eric Schonborn, coolest cat I know, producer of all things good, cool, and smart. He does all the design around this show, and he's also helping me take it to the streets. We went down to D.C. this week to talk to homeless people in Franklin Square, just a couple blocks from the White House. Stay tuned for more on that in episodes to come. Brendan Pfeiffer, our Make Shit Happen guy. Bill Schultz, our awesome producer for this episode. John McDermott for helping out there, too. Cadence 13 for making this pod happen. Righteous Media for powering the whole enterprise. The Classic Car Club Manhattan. These guys are awesome. They hosted us last week for the Peter Berg interview and have been hugely supportive of this show. Big thanks to Jeanette, Phelan, and Phil for having our back. And most of all, my family. I love you guys. Most of all, 
my deepest respect for you for tuning in. If this was your first time, and especially if it was your fifth time, some of you have been riding along with me since this started. Thank you for listening and for being involved. You make this show possible. And you'll help it grow from a show into a movement. So please, tell your friends to subscribe now, wherever you get your podcasts, and follow Angry Americans on all your social media platforms. And use the hashtag Angry Americans. Sound off. Just like our country, the show is evolving, and I've got tons of feedback, so keep it coming. Tell me what you want to hear, learn, do, and we'll continue to make it better. We'll continue to grow this movement of people who care deeply about the state of affairs in this country. People who are united around the issues that spark righteous anger. And people who are united in doing something about it. we got more killer guests coming in the days ahead, more segments out in the streets of America, more rants that have me angry and should have everyone angry. But until then, it's okay to be angry. And no, you're not alone. We're all a little angry. That's because we're paying attention. And we're all in this together. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thanks for listening. Stay vigilant, America.